Welcome to Easter Season Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett, a podcast from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin in the Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Today's podcast is for the sixth Sunday of Easter, Year A, focusing on the Psalter for the day, Psalm 66, verses 7 through 18. Listen in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett. My name is Jarrett Kerbel. I'm the rector here at Church of St. Martin in the Fields. And with me, as always, is... Barb Ballinger, Associate for Spiritual Formation and Care, with her cat sounding in the background. So listen carefully and hear the cat. Um, We're also really blessed and grateful to be with our friend, Rabbi Adam Seff from Germantown Jewish Center. Welcome, Rabbi Seff. Hi, it's great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Rabbi Zeph was a member of a Bible study we were part of for a lot of years and um, learned a lot from Adam, and I'm really grateful he's here to share his take on the scripture today with you. Today, we're going to be focusing in on uh, Psalm 66, the psalm appointed for Sunday. And um, well, frankly, we admit that we have neglected the psalm in Bible banter in the past, so we're making our amends. The psalm is so important. There's so, such a rich tradition in uh, both church and synagogue. So ashamed and neglected. So Barb and I are going to read it through, alternating verses just to start, and then we'll start our reflection on Psalm 66, verses 7, 1 through 18. Starting at verse 7, Bless our God, you peoples. Make the voice of his praise to be heard who holds our souls in life and will not allow our feet to slip. For you, O God, have proved us. You have tried us just as silver is tried. You brought us into the snare. You laid heavy burdens upon our backs. You let our enemies ride over our heads. We went through fire and water but you brought us out into a place of refreshment. I will enter your house with burnt offerings and will pay you my vows, which I promised with my lips and spoke with my mouth when I was in trouble. I will offer you sacrifices of fat beasts with the smoke of rams. I will give you oxen and goats. Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for me. I called out to him with my mouth, and his praise was on my tongue. If I had found evil in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. But in truth, God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not rejected my prayer, nor withheld his love from me. Excellent. Thank you. I'm a bit of a cherry picker sometimes when it comes to Psalms. In other words, I find a favorite verse and I fixate on it. I just love verse 8, who holds our souls in life and will not allow our feet to slip. For some reason, I find that very comforting and a nice thing to repeat to myself. (laughs) I like that too. Yeah, I always think about there's the... In the Hebrew, the word that we today translate soul in biblical Hebrew really meant the body. 
It actually was referring to our physical being. And then only later in rabbinic Hebrew in the, you know, the beginning, the turn of the millennium 2000 years ago, it started to acquire this meaning of soul of something separate maybe from the body or something, some quality of the body that eventually the rabbis understood as being something that actually is that we are a combination of whatever that is, the soul and the body. So they distinguished, they had, they had a new, different word that they then used for the body and used that word only to refer to soul. So it sort of developed into its meaning of soul. And the understanding of biblical scholars is that this word actually in the context of the psalm is really saying God keeps us alive, like keeps our bodies alive and doesn't allow us to fall. Oh, that's nice. fascinating. I didn't have any idea about that history. I wonder what else, as, as you read... Adam, this in, in Hebrew, what is really different in this psalm for you than, than what we say? It's, I always love to hear what the Hebrew actually says. <laughs> well, I, you know, I was reading through in the Hebrew and thinking, um, in this particular case, I think that the, the translation is actually pretty accurate. I think the thing I was thinking about was it's about the context, though. So in the, in the context of the psalm, of course, the idea of offering sacrifices, offering animals is not foreign, is actually you know, the normal way that you would praise God. Like we usually understand the Psalms being written in a period in which the, there were temple sacrifices being offered maybe 3,000 years ago or so. That was really the truest expression of people's communication with and devotion to God was offering animals. So that when it, it says, I'm going to, I'm going to enter in, and uh, offer burnt offerings, I'm going to offer up fatlings, rams, and goats, that seems to us very foreign. Um, but to them, they're saying, yeah, that's, that's expression of, just like the Psalms are an expression of how I feel and my connection to God, offering those animals is another expression. And maybe, again, maybe there's a sort of soul body distinction uh, there, or at least a material and soul distinction there. I offer up words to God, and where are the deeds? Right. The deeds are in the animals. <laughs> right. Oh, interesting. And I was wondering about that verse, Adam, because that seems like a lot of sacrifices in that verse. Uh, you know, I don't understand the sacrificial cult, but fat beasts, smoke of rams, oxen and goats, that's a pretty serious number of animals, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the full range of animals that were offered on the altar for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's trying to cover that and say, yeah, I'm going to do all of that. I'm going to offer up, right? In the, in the offerings in the Torah, they talk about, right, there's, there's sin offerings, there's thanksgiving offerings, there's free will offerings. And this is sort of saying, I'm going to offer up the entire range basically as a free will offering. In other words, as saying, you have helped me so much, God, here's all my stuff. So it's, it's a, an expression of expression of piety, but also an expression of wealth, right? I mean, those things are expensive. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's what I wondered about if it was meant to be an excess, right? This is, this is a great offering. This is, I am so grateful. I'm so thankful. I'm going all the way. Everything is on the table here. Okay, that helps because yeah, li literally on, on the on the altar, right? <laughs> it's all on the table. I like it too that it sounds too that if it's sort of trying to be proportionate to what God has done, then there's a whole lot of saving going on here. You know that there is that that God has has truly pulled the psalmist from from the pit in in a sense, and uh, and so all of the 
what looks at me, what looks at first to me like it's kind of contractual actually makes much more sense when it's in the realm of gratitude, like the great gift of God. And all that I have here is probably not even proportionate, you know, but it's everything is my gratitude. And how do I do gratitude? We do it with smoked ramps and stuff like that. You know? I, I also think there's something about, I'm always struck and this happens a lot in the Psalms and it talks about the vows and the idea that in a time of, a time of distress, we might say, oh God, if only you get me out of this, then I'm going to give you X, Y, Z. And, but in the Psalm, it often says, I'm going to pay my vows. I'm going to actually fulfill my vows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's one thing to, in that moment, say, oh yes, I, I will give you anything, God, if only you get me out of this pit. It's another thing that when you actually are out of the pit to yeah. fulfill you know, what you said. And it, it, it connects to something that's you know, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, where they're talking about, Moses is talking to the people about going into the land and how when they get into the land, they're going to eat and they're going to have all this good stuff. And are they going to remember God? No. And when things are going well, right. we don't have a tendency to remember God and all the things that we promised and in our context, maybe all the ways we promised to change or to act justly in the world or to change our personal behavior with our families or our friends sort of go out the window when things are good. When things are bad, we're making all sorts of vows. Like, oh, if only I can get through this, I'll never yell at my child again or whatever it is. Um, and, uh, but when the time comes, we don't always fulfill what we said we would do. Yeah, and in World War II, those were called foxhole conversions, right? There, a, there was a surge in the priesthood after uh, World War II because so many people offered to God to go into the priesthood if they would just survive. So they fulfilled their vows, not always happily. <laughs> and I, I, I always forget this. I already, sometimes I overlook it, but a lot of Psalms fall into a pattern of telling a story and responding to the story, right? Um, this Psalm has, here's what God has done, and here is my response. God did these things. And it's an interesting thing that God has done, right? You know, there's seven, you know, bless our God, you peoples, make the voice of his praise to be heard and he holds our souls in life, and then God's testing them. It starts, and it goes right to God testing us, and, and God brings them into the snare. It's not God saved me from the snare, it's, unless it's a translation problem. It's God brought us into the snare. You laid heavy burdens on our back. You let enemies ride over our heads, which is a really graphic image, I got to say. Uh, we went through fire and water, and you brought us to the place of refreshment. So it's a it's a capsule story of this journey of suffering. And that part's also um, attributed to God, which is interesting. Right. I, mean, I, I think it betrays this, you know, this theology that is saying, it's not that our troubles came from someone else. <laughs> There's not some other force there that, that you know, God is our champion, and then God is contending with some other force that is dragging us down. Now, this is what God does with us. God takes us through the fire and the water, God takes us through the snare and all these terrible times and then brings us out. Huh. Well, I was wondering when we read it, if there's something for us here, right? In this present moment, we are being tested in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, it's a time of, they use the metaphor here of purifying silver, right? The smelting image, which is a pretty intense image too. You know, how are we being smelted? How are we being 
melted down to our essence. Is this going to be a time that purifies us or cleanses us or a time where we just add more impurities to our character? (laughs) I think it's also really tricky because, I mean, in the Psalms, I think it speaks to a relationship with God that is so very connected that there isn't a, a world that God inflicts. It's just God is in, the, the world is infused with God, the good, the bad. It's all about the relationship with God. And it's all about, you know, the gratitude, the love in the heart, the what does it mean to be in this relationship? And I think often in our, in our modern minds, we look at the Psalms and go, well, God inflicts. And then we learn our lesson. You know, I, some, one of our parishioners had talked about, feeling like God had sent everybody to their rooms as part of this experience. And you're not allowed to come out until you had a good think about this, you know, and, and how do you, how do you both hold the relationship that God wants to have with us that we hear in the Psalms and the Psalmist is embodying the relationship that God wants, the gratitude, there was no evil in my heart, I responded with the works of, of sacrifice. How do we hold on to that relationship and not slip into this really dangerous, God is punishing us, God is going to purge out the bad people and keep the good people? You know, How do we hold on to a healthy theology at this time? I think it's grounded in the gratitude of the passage. What helps us when we're in the mire is to get a perspective change. That's what helps me mm-hmm. when I'm feeling trampled and run over by chariots. <laughs> you know, I need a perspective change to help me. You know, and grad- nothing does that like gratitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to the old gratitude list and starting to peel off the things I'm grateful for. And that gives me some buoyancy. I think the danger and the mistake is to say it justifies everything. I'm not saying that. I'm very fond of the philosophical principle, don't say too much, right? <laughs> you know, just say enough, just go far enough, right? And that's, in this case, it's simply, pardon my phone in the background, um, <laughs> it's give myself enough perspective to endure, to be resilient, to process these things without going under. I can still have a lot of feelings about them, but I also have the feeling of gratitude. Or also the other kind of transcending element is just, oh my gosh, I can learn from this. Mm -hmm. When you're in it, it's really hard to say, okay, I'm going to learn from this. But we have to hear it from our tradition or our neighbor or friend. You know, you can learn from this, which is one of the great testimonies of the Psalms is, and actually the whole Hebrew Bible, right? And there's so many horrible experiences that got learned from and persisted through. I mean, it's a pretty much a tale of ups and downs, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, it certainly is. I'm really struck in this psalm by the use of the these two words. I think I'm trying to figure out which verse numbers they are for you. Um, Maybe 18. This idea of listening, and I don't remember what the translation you had was. In my translation, it says listening and paying heed. Uh, In the Hebrew, it's really hearing versus paying attention. Ah. And what does it mean? Oh, what does it mean for God to hear us? And what does it mean for God to pay attention to us? Because a lot of times in the Hebrew Bible and especially in the Psalms, that does not necessarily mean that God magically made our troubles go away. 
Ah. That, that's not necessarily what it means that God heard and or even that God paid attention. The idea is simply God heard us. God heard us is the comfort, actually. Yeah. It, you know, God hears my prayer. That does not mean God fulfills my wishes. doesn't mean I can control God by saying, oh, God, make this happen and God will do that. The idea is what does God hear? God hears the pain. God hears our suffering. God hears our struggles. God hears our attempts to learn something from ter- difficult experiences or to even see good things happening in the midst of terrible things happening and not discount one for the other and not say, oh, well, this is a time of horribleness and therefore everything is horrible or say, oh, the, the, few, the good things that are happening redeem the bad so there's no badness, but to somehow hold both of those things, God witnesses that along with us. God hears us. God pays attention to us going through that experience. And that, that to me is the, is the comforting part because sometimes I don't, unfortunately, feel gratitude. I feel, I feel suffering. I feel like this her- terrible things are happening. And just expressing those things, God can hear that. God can pay attention to that. And then I feel like, okay. It's kind of like, you know, when somebody, you know, has a, a complaint at work. <laughs> and uh, what do they do with that? How do they feel about that complaint if no one will listen to that complaint? And how do they feel about it if somebody hears the complaint? That doesn't mean things change but at least their complaint was heard, they feel a lot better. I feel better, you know, with this idea that, that God is, is listening to the pain that we put out before God, and God is hearing and paying attention to our experience of going through fire and water, and God willing, coming out on the other side. But as you say, change, change events, not just uh, we went through it and we shrugged it off. Oh, that's great. Thanks. Thanks so much, Adam. I think you know, it says in ours, uh, God has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be the God who has not rejected my prayer nor withheld God's love from me. And it's so true. As a pastoral caregiver, we know that we can't save somebody from the grief they're feeling. But if they feel listened to, they feel better. You know, if their humanity is recognized, if their value is recognized by listening, there's a tremendous comfort in that to know that you're heard, to know that you're not alone. I think it also kind of means I'm not alone. I'm in a relationship that's enduring. And one of the things that really fascinates me here is always the use of the word love. Last year, I noticed in the Psalms, this word comes up and it's not a common word in ancient literature. It's just not. If you look at ancient Mediterranean literature, it's just not there, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. It's not in the religious language of other bodies, but here this wonderful, I'm assuming, song for the temple ends with, nor withheld his love for me. It's that intimacy that Barb was talking about earlier, that, that bond with God that is so intimate and so caring. It just struck me as something very special about the tradition we share, that the centrality of love. I think that's true. I, I also think the, the voices of the Psalms, you know, we, in Jewish tradition, there's a tradition of when times are bad, and even if you're personally going through something really difficult, uh, what do we do? What is the appropriate thing to do? Recite the Psalms. Just begin at the beginning and start reciting them in Hebrew. So you'll often see at, uh, at a terrible moment, say maybe somebody is, there's life is threatened and then they're in a hospital, traditional Jews will sit at the bedside or sit in the, web, the waiting room just reciting the Psalms, going through it. And I've had that experience of, of having somebody in my family be in the hospital and uh, sitting down late at night with the book of Psalms, opening it up and reading. 
And what you find is, especially starting with Psalm 1, but going through, you find a lot of people going through really tough things. This is what the psalmists are doing. They're crying out Mm. to God. A lot of it is crying out to God from their pain, from their suffering, and saying, God, hear my voice. Sometimes it says, oh, God, you heard me. Sometimes it just says, God, please listen. (laughs) Could you please listen? I just think that's a powerful model that the psalmists give us of what we can do, how we can express what we're feeling. Yeah, I find um, I find myself lately turning to the Psalms a lot, especially like at the end of the day when I'm just out of prayer. I'm just out. I'm tapped. And lately I've just been ending my day with reading a Psalm to just allow that to express whatever is in me. And a lot of times it really does. And there is, there's the great anger at the context there's the great anger at the others that are messing things up sometimes it's the great what did i do sometimes it's the where are you god um and sometimes it's the despite all of this i see the love and relationship of god around me and just sometimes letting the psalm speak when i just don't have any words left i'm finding of late really helpful to me Thanks, Barb. I agree completely. I think the Psalms are one of the great supports for prayer, and I can relate to what both Adam and you said. I keep a prayer book in my car, and so if I visit a member at the hospital, especially late at night when they're resting or if someone's on a ventilator or non-responsive, I just go favorite Psalm to favorite Psalm with people. I, I find it very comforting. I find it like well, here's somebody who knows my experience. Here's somebody who knows our experience. It's like having another friend in the room. And there's such an invitation to prayer. They're, so, they're such good companions for that kind of spiritual work. Very steady. I'm really glad in the last few years I've started to go deeper into the Psalms. And you know, I've always wondered what they were like as sung material. Let's uh, wrap this up. Um, I think we've offered our people some really excellent invitation to engage the Psalms. And I think now, like Barb and Adam says, a good time to engage the psalm. Here's lament. Here's our grief calling out. Here's our where are you, God, calling out. Here's all those, all those things that are invited into verbal expression, which sometimes people feel they hide from God in a funny way, right? I, I don't want to be so forward with God. I don't want to put God out, you know, by saying, ah, come on, God, why? You know, um, And the Psalms are such an invitation to just put it all out there with God and just be heard. Well, maybe that's our invitation to people as we wrap this up. Thank you very much, uh, Adam, for joining us. It's always a pleasure. I get so much out of listening to you. And I'm so grateful to share uh, your words of wisdom with the people here at St. Martin's and whoever listens to this podcast. Thank you, Barbara, for being with us today. It's great to see you. Thank you all for listening to Bible Banter from the Church of St. Martin in the Field. We'll be with you every week, hopefully through June going through the scripture of the week and reflecting on it. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you think. Have a great day. Know that you're loved. Be healthy, be well. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin in the Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, review it, or share it with a friend. This episode was hosted by the Reverend Jarrett Kerbel and the Reverend Barbara Ballinger. It was edited by me, Natalie Hill. Our music is Sunday Drive by Silent Partner from the YouTube Audio Library. Thank you to this week's guest, Rabbi Adam Zeff from Germantown Jewish Center. 
You can learn more about Rabbi Zeph and his community at germantownjewishcenter.org. That's center, C-E-N-T-R-E. You're welcome to join us for worship online, both Sunday mornings and weekdays. Find the full schedule on our website at stmartinec.org forward slash worship. To learn more about the ministries and activities at St. Martin's, including biblical studies, Wellspring spiritual formation programs, and volunteer opportunities during COVID-19, please visit stmartinec.org. We'll be back again next week. 